This is episode 114 of the IDRA Class Notes podcast. Now that we have these these new technologies like on the iPad or, or video that they can actually watch on a day-to-day basis, students can actually see what a dodecahedron would look like in space. When you get into the higher levels of mathematics, they can see a cube or they can rotate one of their functions around one of the axes. It gives such a more visual representation of something that is very hard to take in when you're looking on a piece of paper that you've drawn. Well, let me say hello to everybody. I want to thank you once again for uh, joining us for our class notes. We are going to have a great time this afternoon. I have once again with me Veronica Betancourt and Paula Johnson of uh, IDRA. We're going to pick up our conversation on science and different strategies and approaches for science and math learning. So you remember the last time we were together, and I had Paula and Veronica here, we talked about visual learning. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about learning with iPads for diverse students and talking about how this technology can be used to advance the learning, particularly of English learners uh, in our classroom. So let me say hello to Paula and to Veronica. How are you two doing today? Just great. And I want to thank you both uh, for being here. We have a lot to talk about. I am aware of and had a chance to peruse an article that the two of you have written for the IDRA newsletter, and it really piqued my interest in terms of this great, great tool that teachers can use to help advance learning for English uh, learners in our schools and classrooms. Uh, There are many different questions I have. Let's see how many we can get I responded to uh, during this course of time, but let me start off with this one as a starter. The whole use of technology, and particularly these iPads, seems to be a really big deal in um, teaching and learning in these days. What is that all about from your estimation as a math teacher, as a science teacher, and working with kids, particularly English learners in our schools and classrooms? Why is it such a big deal, and what's so great about it? Well, I think one of the the big ideas about technology is first of all we live in a dynamic world technology is a dynamic is it's constantly evolving and we are now working with digital natives children who have been introduced to technology from infancy that's a good point and this is something that we need to absolutely address and our teachers and our administrators and our community and the older generations may not be considered digital natives because technology just came about in the last 30 40 years and it is growing exponentially in terms of its capabilities. And so one of the focuses that we want to look at is how do we use that with the understanding that technology puts us in a position that we're all going to be learners and we're continuously going to be learners. And how do we, how do we build on that? How do we draw from that? And the fact that, as Veronica said, that um, technology is growing exponentially, every time we think something new has has been put out it seems like two or three days later the newer version of that is going to come out so when we discuss things about it always being new I mean like we just the iPad 3 just came out well the iPad 2 and the first generation were still being like highly revered as the the newest technology so now the 3 is out with new new advanced features like Siri the voice command part can be on the iPad 3 
Well, it means that we always are going to be looking at something new and we have to not fear that newness, that it might be a new button, it might be a new application, but there's always going to be something new out there. So we're going to be continually learning. It's not ever going to really cease, but that there's no reason to fear the unknown. You know, as Veronica also mentioned, the digital natives, you know, we've seen two and three year olds use technology in ways that their older generations could never have fathomed. The thing about taking advantage of what they already know in so many different aspects, educational settings, um, social interactions, take advantage of what they already know to then broaden their, their knowledge within content areas. That's what the next step is for these new technologies. Well, um, also as an Equity Assistance Center director, another issue that seems to be important to me and one that I like very much is that using technology also levels the playing field. I mean, when you think about it, uh, when, when learners have a chance to have technology in their hands, no matter the communities that come from, no matter their differing characteristics, once they get that technology in their hands, they have access to the world. And, and to challenges for thinking and for learning that just seem to me to be absolutely phenomenal. And that leads me into, I guess, another uh, question about um, how technology and the use of these iPads can be a real tool for teachers in the classroom. I want you, both of you, talk about some examples or ways in which this tool, using iPads, can further science learning for, for instance, English learners, can further math learning for the same population of students and the difference it can make in terms of their performance and their academic outcomes. That sounds like an awfully big question, but I think you both understand what I'm asking. Yes. Well, I think one of the, the big access points in using iPads in the classroom at its most simplistic level is being able to access the internet and being able to have access to visual tools so they can increase visual literacy which helps with comprehension in science also looking at the scientific method even though scientific method is not really a cyclic piece it, it gives them an opportunity to kind of compare the different ways that scientists solve problems that the world is working around them how the, how the environments are being impacted they can look at real-time events because people and scientists and, and organizations are using real-time cameras to capture things such as watching penguins across the world interact or looking at um, the birth of, of captive animals. Isn't that amazing, huh? And, and they can then build their knowledge from that by engaging in conversations with each other as they explore these real-time opportunities. So you could take virtual field trips, you could do virtual labs, you could collect data from other people's work and then do comparative analysis of that. When you don't have access to things inside the classroom, the world can be at your fingertips with iPads. Mm -hmm. And without it, the world becomes a much smaller place, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. Probably, what would you add to that? Well, I can see in your countenance <laughs> you're ready to jump in. Well, my thoughts are that, you know, science is such a real content area. And I, I, what I mean by that is that you can touch it and feel it and smell it and burn it up and all those good things. And that math is so abstract, but because of the technologies that we have right now, especially, I would say the iPad more than computer programs or computer uh, web-based resources, you have opportunities like in Algebra 1 and Geometry to visualize the abstract version of, say, a two-dimensional drawing of a line or a shape. 
now that we have these these new technologies like on the iPad or, or video that they can actually watch on a day-to-day -day basis, students can actually see what a dodecahedron would look like in space. So and like they can three, three dimensional. They can rotate it. They can see it on its axes. When you get into the higher levels of mathematics, when they actually have to graph on a third dimension, they can see a cube or they can rotate um, one of their functions around one of the axes. It gives such a more visual representation of something that is very hard to understand or take in when you're looking at on a piece of paper that you've drawn. It's entirely different when they can see how two planes actually intersect. We can talk about it all day long as teachers where we, we've all done it as math teachers. We've taken a piece of paper and another piece of paper and we show how they would slide together. But being able to see that in three dimensions and then with colors on top of that, I know that the students are still taking in a three-dimensional image with a two-dimensional brain because that's really what the representation is. But it gives them a clearer understanding of what we're talking about sometimes. Certainly, and it's certainly a richer opportunity much, for oh, understanding. much deeper, definitely. Absolutely. And it's really, just to kind of add, it's really important to, to discern the fact that iPads and other technologies that are being introduced in the classroom are not to be the sole source of instruction, but rather be a supportive piece. Um, it's used as a tool for learning so that it creates a platform for dynamic interaction amongst the students, between classrooms across the world, or across the campus, or within classrooms themselves. They can FaceTime, they can gather data, they can interact, they can give their own input. There are some sites that allow students to actually input the data so that that can be used by collecting data outside, like atmospheric data as an example. Um, and, and this is especially true for language learners because the iPads really create a more equitable platform for learning in the sense that it removes the bias and the cultural pieces that the individual teacher may have, and it, it allows for a more diverse interaction that then helps them to internalize not only the concepts, but the language and build on that. That's a great, great point. That really is, Vero. It also has some implications, Paula and Vero, for what we need to be doing with teachers who, like all of us who are older, we are, we're not these digital brains that have come into the world that have always had this technology with them. We teachers need some capacity building, it seems to me, to be able to transform our pedagogy in the classroom to something that embraces technology, uses it in a rich way as a tool for learning. Mm. What are some of the challenges we face in getting us ready to make our classrooms digitally competent? and make us digitally capable. Well, as, as mentioned before, even though it levels a playing field for the students that have the technology in their hands, unfortunately, campuses are not on even playing fields when it comes to how they're going to implement the use of these technologies. Some campuses have a technology specialist on campus specifically designed, that position is specifically designed to bring technology to the teachers. Whatever it is, it's their, pretty much their job, their role, to incorporate lesson plans, things like that, of that nature. For the teachers, on other campuses, you have no instructional technologist. You only have maybe your librarian, which I just did a series with, I'm, I'm beginning a series with a group of librarians, 
where they will become the specialists. The technology instructional specialists. To then disseminate the information Mm -hmm. and the training to their campuses. And that's a huge task, being that they already have an enormous responsibility on their campuses. And sometimes they choose someone else from maybe a department or a few people from the campuses to kind of become the gurus of a particular type of technology to then provide training for everyone else. So it definitely that there are different obstacles for different campuses that will have to be faced. That's really interesting. You know, our time is running out, but there's just so many things I want to talk to you about. Uh, there are some issues that you've raised in your article, Veronica and Paula, uh, like learning with the iPads, uh, teaching with the iPads, and leading with the iPads that we just have to get to in a more extensive conversation in our next uh, coming together. So I want you to hold me to the fact that we're going to be doing that. But I have uh, one other question that may end up taking, let's see what uh, you can do in terms of responding to this question. We have always been concerned about um, how we handle English learners, uh, kids whose first language is not English, but it may be Spanish or Hmong or whatever else. Now that we're talking about using technology uh, for this population of diverse learners in the classroom, what kinds of accommodations do teachers once again need to make to ensure they are considering that child's first language is not English and their use of these uh, technologies in their classroom. What are some things we should want to make sure teachers keep in mind? I think one of the things that teachers need to keep in mind as they decide which technology application they want to use with students mm-hmm. is the complexity and the, and the nature in which the academic language is used that would probably be the main one so that they can then address it and help them to understand and access it. So the dynamic, the nature, the dynamism of the application, the interaction level of the application, and the um, opportunities that that are unfolding in terms of conversation. What one thing would you add, Paula, if anything? I would definitely use the any, any application or, or resource that includes fluency uh, and the building of academic language, but something that has auditory uh, capabilities for them to communicate and then hear back that they, they that mm-hmm. auditory piece needs to be there. That's great. Listen, it just seems that we get started and it's time for us to wrap up, but that gives us even more to be able to talk about the next time. Can I hold you right now to promising to come back so that we can continue this uh, important conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you so much, Dr. Scott. It's been a this. pleasure having you here. I want to thank our listeners once again for coming out to join us. Be well and take care. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.